He's not even sure what I'm doing today. So, I'm <laughs> um, you know, we've done a lot of different things as the uh, year has gone on. Uh, the core of the choir, there's been a lot of different activity on campus. You've seen little ones, senior adults. Our oldest adult is 93 years old, playing clarinet on Tuesday and Thursday mornings. So there's an awful lot of things going on. We have four levels of homeschool band pro, you know, performers, instrumental performers, Monday and Wednesday afternoons. Tuesday night, the youth choir is here with the handbell ringers. Um, and then the adult choir is here on Monday night, which I always have room for other people. You know, if you can say watermelon, watermelon, you can come and sing, all right? Um, because that, you know what that means when you say watermelon, watermelon? When you don't know the words, just go. Pretty close to whatever comes up. So um, there's, and then eventually I get you to actually make sound and you actually sing and you actually say a word other than um, well, um, we, uh, last year we did, uh, um, at this chapel, we did a Gaither sing. Uh, tonight I'm doing some gospel singing. Scotty Vaughan is going to join me. And you know, I, I, Scotty and I have been friends for a while, so I'm like, okay, what are you singing, Scotty? Oh, I'm going to do this. Even at rehearsal. And I said, are you going to do that on Wednesday? Well, I'm not sure. <laughs> So, I mean, he's going to join us, of course. He's going to join us in the first one, so come on up. Um, but we're going to do some country gospel things, some of the words you may know, some not. Just enjoy some of the singing and the message that will be tied together in what an awesome God we serve. You know, God is good all the time. So, you know, we're going to just start by singing, you know, a very nice chorus, God is good. And it'll be tied to, he keeps me singing, with a, one of you know, the old hymns. Um, then Scotty's going to sing something. I'm not sure what, but he'll tell you about it. Um, and then I'm going to do some things that actually deal with uh, the great spirituals uh, that came from um, as a result of the slave trade with John Newton and so on. Um, there's an interesting history that goes from the gospel singing uh, to field hollers and cries and um, those kind of um, a cappella uh, great church songs that were based on scripture. And so that's how we're going to try to do this. So this first one we're doing is God is good. Don't they do a wonderful job? Man, oh man. Thank you guys. It's fun to be up here with them. Uh, what Dr. Grimo didn't mention is that there, there is one band level below the watermelon group. And that's, there's actually an old cowboy band here at Nazarene Bible College, too. You know, I have been blessed, and, and these guys let me hang around with them over in the music department a little bit. I uh, got some directed study classes from Dr. Grimo. Yeah, and I cannot tell you how proud. You know, this, this guitar is mic'd well, but every time I suck my belly in, I can hear these the buttons on the vest moving along on there. It's kind of... <laughs> I don't want to get too personal for anybody, but it is a cowboy deal. <laughs> uh, I grew up out in eastern Colorado, and it's a real-life miracle that I would be here at Bible College, up here with a wonderful choir like this, sitting around looking at uh, professors and fellow students that are now my friends, really, in my family. Uh, uh, I was a late bloomer. I was 30 years old before I found a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a lot of people that... Uh, that I grew up going to church around that probably wondered if I was ever going to get it or not. 
And I wrote this next song as kind of a tribute to them, those in this world and the next that God used to plant seeds in my life. And I just pray wherever they're at now, they know that they came to fruition. I went to a little bitty old country church, little old cowboy church out there. Our pastor was bivocational. You know, he'd go out and do the chores and feed the cows and everything in the morning, then come to church. He was out in nature, first thing. And then he'd come to church there, and before he'd come in, the ladies would catch him at the door and make sure he got all the nature off his boots before he'd come into the, <laughs> into the sanctuary. And uh, he'd get up there, and you know, he's a pretty good old preacher, I guess. It was me that wasn't paying attention, but he normally wore his regular old clothes. But one or two, three Sundays a year, big Sundays, they were big days, he'd get this long blue gown. And uh, he had this little white kind of a doily-looking thing he put on his shoulders. And uh, the adults all knew it was going to be high church that day. And us kids figured out after a while that uh, we better get a deep seat and a short reign because he's going to preach about an hour longer than what he usually did. And so I had kind of an aversion to, uh, to choirs and stuff at first because we went in uh, one Christmas Eve. We went to church with my grandma up in Denver, a big old Presbyterian church. And me and my brother were sitting there looking around. And all of a sudden, out come the choir. And there was 30 of them in these long blue gowns <laughs> with the doilies on their shoulders. Man, I turned around to ask my brother, was they all going to preach? <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was passed out. He went right down on the floor up in there. <laughs> this is a song. It's called A Church Out on the Plains for a lot of dear saints uh, in this world and the next.
shown Seem like they climbed straight on up into God's holy throne And I know that in my heart Jesus Christ will always reign But I was never closer to Him than that church out on the plain And I know that in my heart Jesus Christ will always reign But I was never closer to Him than that church out on the plain the next thing we want to do is a, a little um, a newer twist on again an old gospel song it's called send down the rain and it's doesn't quite sound as much like it was in the original, but the words are, you know, God is good again, and just as Scott had just spoke about, it's always refreshing to feel the rain and understand that God's goodness, no matter what we touch, is all His, and we enjoy that. Man, that is pretty. Good job. Well, you know, I've been coming to a lot of these chapels, and I'm telling you, I have been blessed and preached to and grown in here. But in all the couple years I've been up here, I still hadn't heard a single cowboy poetry deal done up here yet. And so I got to thinking, well, it's probably about time. I took Dr. Lambright's classical literature class, and uh, we never did study this one in there. <laughs> we never went over quite a few of them. Really did open my eyes up, though, not just to the literature and the poetry, but got me looking at painters and famous, famous painters and stuff. And I like a lot of them. The ones that you can tell what it is they painted, I like it. <laughs> There's a few of them, though, that I wonder about. Like Picasso. Maybe you all seen this, Picasso's paintings? I heard a story about him. He was over there in Spain where he's from, and he's walking home one night, and he got mugged. Yeah, and he went down to the police station, and uh, he told them he got mugged, and they said, well, we'll fix you up with a police artist to, so you can tell them what they look like. And he says, well, I don't need artists. I can draw them for you if you want. Later that day, they arrested two street lights, a garbage truck, and a one-eyed go-go dancer. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, uh, the old cowboys, they had art all around them. Uh, Psalm 19 says that the heavens declare his glory and the skies proclaim the work of his hands. And the fellers, they knew that. They lived out in that country and they had that wildlife around them. And every now and then, though, they'd get a little too big for their britches. Get to thinking they was 10 foot tall and bulletproof. And there's a guy named S. Omar Barker that wrote a poem about roping a bear, which uh, we just talked to a therapeutic riding lady. Roping bears is not a good idea if you've never been around that. And this will give you an idea of what happens when you try to do something like that. Now, roping bears, says Uncle Sid, is sure a heap of fun. And it's a lot more gizzard thrilling than to shoot them with a gun. Why, I roped a big old he one time when I was young and raw. He must have weighed 500 pounds. Monstrous was his paw. 
He'd wandered out upon the flats for cow chips, bugs, and such. Them grubs and worms, they suit a bear, like pretzels suit the Dutch. Now, our prisoner didn't catch him because a bear can split the breeze, and then your pony has got to wiggle some if he beats him to the trees. But the roan that I was riding, he was tough and mighty fleet. He overhauled old Bruin, and my loop was quick and neat. Well, I caught him snug around the neck, but then when he reached the end, I could hear my cinches stretching, and I felt my saddle bend. Well, just now my pony puts the brakes on until he sure enough plowed the ground, and I was pretty near sorry that there weren't no crowd around to watch a salty hand like me demonstrate my skill at learning Mr. Bruin to obey my wish and will. Come on, old bear, I bellered. You're a wild and woolly scamp, but you know, I'm the apparatus that can lead you into camp. At first, I feared the rope might bust, and I'd lose him if it should. But about a minute later, folks, I prayed to God it would. <laughs> but that bear reared up and popped his teeth. It was like a pistol crack. And then he grabbed my rope hand over hand and come right back up to slack. I gave a squall and I swung my hat to slap him in the eyes, but a he-bear ain't no critter that it's easy to surprise. My pony, he tried to quit me. But he had a bear in tow. <laughs> and the clinging to the saddle there was a load he couldn't throw. He got a straddle of the rope and the log, the bush, and the bear. He wallered and he pollered and he pawed the upper air. Well, that Bruin's jaws and his paws and his claws, they pretty near had me scunned because my rope was anchored to the horn. It wouldn't come undone. Seemed like we fought for hours and I couldn't see no hope. When the Bruin bit my rope in two, and quit us on the lope. Now roping bears, says Uncle Sid, is sure a heap of fun. At least I've heard folks claim it is. I never rope but one. <laughs> now it ain't no special trick at all to snag one in your noose, but it's sure easier to catch them than it is to turn them loose. <laughs> That old feller need a little grace in that position, didn't he? I was thinking about that this week, and uh, we got to visit, and you know, grace is when God doesn't give us something we do deserve, and mercy is when uh, we do get something that we don't deserve. There's a couple, three spots in the Bible. I preached this last week at a men's retreat about the prodigal son. Yeah, I'm trying to look at these, you know, Getting old is a terrible deal. I made these notes and stuck them down here on top of my guitar. I got these glasses on now. I tried some contact lenses this last week. Anybody here wear contact lenses? Are they soft ones? Have you ever hurt yourself with them? <laughs> they gave me this contact lens. It was about this big. It went over my eye about two times. And they said, all you have to do is just pinch it gently and you can pull it right out of your eye. Well, see, that doesn't work. Have you ever had one slap you? <laughs> it will do it. I got it about halfway out of there, and it slipped out of my fingers. And went, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> Jeez. I could never get that thing out of there. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to ask you a personal question. Have you, ever, have you ever put them both in the same eye? You did? 
You thought you was having a stroke, didn't you? <laughs> I called 911. <laughs> Old guy like me, when you see stuff like that, you better call somebody. Tell me this. If you lose them, can you just lose them and they just stay in there? That's what they told me at the emergency room. So you could have five, six contact lenses floating around the back here. Well, anyway, when you remember the prodigal son, I love to think of it as, as Father God sitting on the bunkhouse porch. He's just sitting out there looking down the trail. And my favorite verse in the Bible is uh, Luke 15, 20. When he saw him from a long way off, the minute he turned his head, he ran down that trail. He lifted up his toga and exposed his legs and sprinted down there. And that was mercy. That was grace. And mercy is when he wrapped him in that robe and he gave him a ring, told him he could transact business. Thief on the cross. Mercy saved him. Grace saved him. Mercy was when he was told he was going to be with Christ in heaven that day. And the Apostle Paul, man, oh man, on the Damascus Road, he got grace. He saw the living God and lived. He saw Jesus Christ. And mercy, it's amazing when you compare the two. We visited a little bit today, and I, I think you're going to carry on with this, aren't you, sir? When we talk about grace, and it's really an interesting uh, topic, mercy and grace. Think about Amazing Grace and what a wonderful hymn that it is. You know, John Newton in, 19, in uh, 1750, you know, when he commanded that English slave ship and what he heard in all of those passages across the triangle, that triangle trade, there were millions of slaves that were brought here. And John Newton found what grace meant in that time. Um, when you deal with the kind of things that he heard in, that, in the whole of the ship, it's really interesting because that melody that was being sung was an African melody. No one knows. You look in your hymnal and you say, Amazing Grace, John Newton, melody, unknown. That melody was what was heard in the whole of the ship. Amazing Grace, as they were just in sorrow. Uh, that spiritual was done, it's called a sorrow chant. And to this day, no one knows who wrote it. But that's what Newton heard. And during a storm, when he was barely thrown off the ship and heard them wailing in the belly of the ship, he penned those words. That African sorrow melody is what our African gospel singing is all based on. What much of those, they have five notes. Amazing Grace is on five notes. It's the black keys of the piano. Take the black keys and you can play Amazing Grace. You can play and sing, every time I hear the Spirit, another gospel, spiritual. You can also sing, swing low, sweet chariot, five notes, because it was what they sung and how they learned their music. Um, it's really wonderful how what happened in the whole of the ship.
and what Newton did when he penned those verses. You think of the first verse to Amazing Grace. Based on Ephesians 1.7, in whom I have redemption through his blood and forgiveness of sins according to the riches of grace. Here's the first verse. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Newton was writing. And he's hearing this sorrow chant. What are we talking about? God's redeeming us in that first verse. In the second verse, we think about um, Psalm 56, 3. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. Now precious did that grace appear the hour I first believed. What we believe in our holiness denomination is based on these verses. God relieves us of our fears. Psalm 9111, for he shall give his angels charge over you to give you in all your ways. Through dangers, reassures us through many dangers, toils, and snares. I have already come. Tis great grace has brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. It's the greatest hymn ever written under the most pain and incredibly difficult circumstances. And then in the final verse, 1 Peter 1.13, the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He rewards us with his eternity. When we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. Man, if that isn't God's grace, if that isn't what God is saying to us, and to absolutely deal with what Wilberforce fought for his entire career to fight and abolish slave trade. Wilberforce was a young boy on those docks when he watched Captain Newton come in on the ship. And the, sh this full, the cargo was full. And in his later life, Newton, of course, in his last 40 years of life, preached the gospel and gave everything he had to living for Christ. And that redeeming grace is what set Newton forward. And in his last days, although my memory is fading, I remember two things very clearly. I am a, a great sinner, and Christ is a great savior. That was Newton's final words. It's on his tombstone. Because there was, he never could get past the point of the millions of slaves he brought over to this country. Let's sing Amazing Grace. I, the, the last two things that I'm going to do, and Scotty's going to sing a chorus of one of his songs. But these are two spirituals. Um, the kind of things you would have heard. This one is uh, called God's Going to Set This World on Fire. 
Um, can you get a sense of what kind of music would have been done by um, during that, what Newton would have been hearing? as well as what our gospel singing was all about at the turn of the century and prior to that, which all parallels what we do in our, the history of hymns and what we have in our hymnals today. Um, our hymnal, our holiness hymnal has all of the greatest hymns, and the, it's the one hymnal that has the most common hymns in every denomination. I wonder why. You know, right from whatever Martin Luther did, uh, Mighty Fortress, to any of the great songs of the church. And this is one of them. So here is one that is done in that gospel spiritual format. And I think you'll enjoy what they have. Okay. If you've ever heard uh, a great gospel choir sing, it's mind-boggling and so moving and so spiritually driven because it's all scripturally based and it's just just glorious here's another one that we did and this is a classic and of course it's based on daniel didn't my lord deliver daniel and this one has an accompaniment but generally with a hundred voice gospel choir you know they're hanging off the rafters That's good. Yeah. <laughs> That'll get your foot tapping, huh? You know, in, uh, in Genesis 21.6, just after Isaac was born, and you all know, remember, I, the name Isaac means laughter. And Sarah had gotten a little trouble early on. She was kind of got out of spirits for laughing at the wrong times. But at this time, after Isaac was born, the child of the promise, her comment was she wanted all of everyone who heard about this to laugh for joy with her because God had brought her laughter. And as long as we're talking about old, uh, old English guys, there's another old fella uh, named Charles Spurgeon that wrote a, a devotional called Morning and Evening. And his comment on this verse was one that went directly into this old cowboy pastor's heart right here. So kind of from, from God, went to Charles, come to me, he said, well may my mouth be filled with joyous laughter because of the singular surprising grace which I received of the Lord. For I found Jesus, the promised seed, and he is mine forever. Man, I got a hold of that, and I just, it just, when you're a prodigal like me, and you come from so deep in the pit, you cling to stuff like that. But of course, the enemy, he don't want you to feel good like that. He shows up right away. And he started talking to me. He says, Scotty, you know, that's a, that's a good promise for Charles Spurgeon. He's a famous theologian. He's not nearly as no good as you are. I'm not sure that promise was for you. And you know, every now and then we get to feeling like that sometimes. Oh, geez. But if you read on in Spurgeon's comment, he said, I would have all of those who hear of my deliverance from hell and my most blessed visitation from on high laugh for joy with me. <laughs> That'll get you laughing, huh? All of a sudden I realized, man, oh man, the same thing. The same reason that Charles Spurgeon has for joy is the same reason old broke-down cowboy singer has for joy. Because it doesn't so much depend on what we did. It's all about what he did. Uh, I wrote it into a song. It became, kind of it was a prayer turned into a song. I'm going to ask you all to sing it with me. The words are real easy. I think I can teach it to you quick. It's just like this. For I found Jesus. 
college students. I bet we can nail this thing. <laughs> see, see if you can't sing along with me. Just one time, let's go through the chorus. For I found Jesus, the promise and he is mine forever. I found Jesus, the promise and he Thank you so much for joining us, Scotty, Vaughn, thank you very much. John Wilson is our adjunct professor, teaching voice and piano, and our accompanist. You'll be hearing him sing at commencement this year, so I'm sure you'll have a chance to enjoy his wonderful voice, and I'd like you to thank the choir one more time.
Thank you so much. God is good all the time.